You are listening to Go Doc Yourself, your weekly documentary book club. Listen in while we two errands dissect our most recent documentary find. Sometimes weird, sometimes mainstream, but always entertaining. Grab a cup of coffee and let's clutch. Hi, and welcome to Go Doc Yourself. I'm Erin McCart. And I'm Erin McCord. Welcome back, you guys. Thank you for joining us this week as we cover a cult documentary, which, as you guys know, were my favorites, deep in my baby heart. <laughs> this week, we're talking about Holy Hell. It was done in 2016. It's an hour and 42 minutes long. I found it on Tubi. Erin McCart found it on Peacock. That's right. So there are mm-hmm. multiple free options. This is directed by Will Allen. It's also somewhat told from his perspective as the narrator and as a former member and videographer of the group. So his fingerprints are all over it. Yeah, kind of interesting, right? Because we don't always have a lot of footage of this kind of stuff. And I really enjoyed that. I think that it would have been harder to tell the story without that kind of firsthand account, right? Like, because you... You don't have to make any interpretation. You just get to see it. Yes. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. it's one of those things that it's not just hearing these people. And they do have a lot of ex-members as part of this documentary. And I love that because it's very rare that you get to see that. But Mm -hmm. you get to see everything yourself. The creepiness of this guy, not Will, (laughs) the leader. It's, It's amazing. It's amazing. Something about him is just not right. I concur 100%. So the documentary starts off a little bit talking about Will and how he grew up. So he seems to be a curious kid. He's got a lot of existential questions. Why am I here? And what is life? And a lot of stuff like that. It seems that maybe his folks or the people in his life were not necessarily happy adults. So that kind of fed into some of these questions. He also mentions that he was raised Catholic. So maybe... Uh, Maybe the indoctrination didn't sink in quite enough for him. (laughs) Maybe that's why none of the adults were happy. (laughs) Right. I mean, hard to say, but if I had to guess. Yeah. They're all about the dogma. (laughs) Right. So he mentions having an eight millimeter camera as a kid and making movies. And even those, some snippets of that shit is included. I'm like, yes. They're really good for an eight year old kid in the early 80s. They're so good. They're so Mm -hmm. fun. So anyway, you know, his plan is to go to school for this. He actually goes to film school and uses this as a way to explore life. Um, He does try to come out well. He does come out to his parents as gay. Um, They're not very accepting. And so he's kicked out of the house. And I think that's sort of one of the events that leads him to find himself with the Buddha field. Right. So he said Mm -hmm. it was his sister. So he has a couple of sisters. Mm-hmm. Amy was already part of the group. Mm-hmm. And so she, you know, was telling him about her friends and, and this great group that she was in and she wanted him to be a part of it. She wanted to share it with him. And so he joined. Mm-hmm. It's interesting hearing. So we start this in 1985. He's kind of going through a chronological time frame of his 22 years with this group. Mm-hmm. It's a long fucking time. Like I work with kids that are 22 that are just out of college and starting life now. And I'm like, that's (laughs) a long time. Yeah. I like how some of them remark at the beginning, some of these ex-members, they're like, 
these were really intelligent people. These were not, like we've discussed before, a lot of people want to think of cult members as being very naive and, and not real bright or whatever, but a lot of these were very intelligent, mm-hmm. college educated, had PhDs or whatever, um, were working good jobs. Mm-hmm. One of them was on his way to go to grad school for like child psychology or something. I can't remember. Yeah. But this group, they were all kind of seeking something spiritual. This was a religious group. It was based on Mm -hmm. God, a monotheistic God. They don't say which one. Mm -hmm. One of my favorite cats in this, Vera, she said that she told her dad she wanted to give her life to God and he hopped the next flight there. Like he was going to go grab her, take her home and reprogram her. And I'm like, (laughs) yes, sir. It's exactly what I would do. Right. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah. And you're hearing people tell these stories in conjunction with the footage that Will has shot over this time. So one of my favorite things is right at the very beginning, they're playing Can't Fight or Hooked on a Feeling by Blue Suede. And it's hysterical. And they're out in a stream or a river. And it looks almost like a baptism that you would see in you know, any movie, I mean, except everybody's scantily clad because they are the most beautiful human beings I've ever seen in my life. And I mean, and I'm not fucking around, like, obviously they're in West Hollywood. So there might be a little bit of, uh, you know, skewing there because obviously, you know, there are people in the movie industry, but they are just stunningly beautiful. And I have a real hard time taking the leader seriously because he's in a speedo like the entire show. <laughs> right. And all I could think of is I know that it's so that weird. was common at the time. Right? I think 1985, it was common for men to wear speedos, but it still makes him lose credibility in my mind. Like I can't, you're right. I can't take anyone seriously. hundred percent. Not okay. <laughs> yeah. There are several people that we kind of meet at this time, like several of the narrators. So I thought maybe we would go and kind of briefly introduce everybody. Does that make it? Okay. That's fine. I couldn't necessarily keep track of everyone okay. throughout because they're really good at putting the names up the first time and then not throughout. So note will right. next time. But go ahead. <laughs> right. I liked it because I think it really gives you a picture of who these folks are and what they're doing here. Right. So let me run through my list if you don't mind. So we talked about Will. We then, of course, talk about Amy, who's his sister, and she says a lot about she's full of questions that didn't really jive with being Catholic. There's Julian, who wants more than uh, superficiality. He wants more than just working a career. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you're kind of starting to get the picture that these are seekers. (laughs) They want to understand more. There's a guy named Philippe who grew up with hippies and artists, and he really doesn't have a lot of guidance. Mm -hmm. But um, nonetheless, here he is. Um, There's a guy named Demetrius, and he grew up in the streets of Chicago with a lot of violence, and he wants something more in his life. Well, and he had said he didn't know what love was until he went to the Buddha field. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. oh, that's heartbreaking. I mean, I'm happy that he was able to find it. Yeah. But I'm sad that he didn't have that in his childhood. Right. A lady named Danielle wants to know why we're here. There's a guy named Murdy who grew up with fundamentalist church fearing God. And he doesn't want to fear God. He wants to understand again more. Alessandra was kicked out of her house at 15 and she's looking for stability. Mm -hmm. So I was like, Oh, that's a tangible one. Mm -hmm. Right. A guy named Chris who grew up with, Oh boy. Oh, he has a problem with authority. I was like, what did I write there? (laughs) Goddamn green pen. (laughs) 
Chris, growing up, uh, doesn't like authority. Amen, brother. Uh, Radia, she wants to be a scientist, and then she wants to be an artist, and she really thinks that uh, both of those are leading her to seek enlightenment. And she's really a fun person. Like, she's really featured throughout this. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a cat named David who says that he feels like something is missing, and he's feeling lost. A lady named Jennifer who talks about her family specifically having several suicide attempts, you know, every few months. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I question if there was like an abuse element. I don't think they specifically say that, but, you know, obviously she's looking for anything else because that sounds pretty horrible. There's a guy named Greg who said he wanted to be a politician. <laughs> like, okay, <laughs> cool, cool. And of course, Vera, who who's a really neat lady and um, she's looking for freedom from the self. Right. So she wants to find um, connection is sort of what I was, was taking away from that. Right. And think about all of them are pretty young, right? I would say late teens, early twenties to mid twenties when this is starting, Mm -hmm. not the leader. He's old. He's geriatric by comparison. (laughs) I mean, he's fit. Don't get me wrong. He's real fit. Works out every day. Looks fine at first doesn't stay that way but you're right these are young beautiful people and in your 20s you really are just so lost right you're just Mm -hmm. I get it I I honestly get a lot of people joining cults in their 20s their late teens and 20s because you're lost you don't know what what you're doing what you want to do what you should be doing you feel like there should be more and I'm here to tell you guys there's really not this is it (laughs) (laughs) find something you like and go with it yeah right so Will talks about this group is really about letting go of your ego. It's an ex- it's experiencing your higher self with help of the teacher. And at this point, let's go ahead and introduce the teacher, Michelle. Michelle. And that's what I'm going to call him throughout. His name changes. Okay. But Michelle is the one that I think is the easiest to remember throughout, if that's okay. Yeah. Yep. He's very typical, in my opinion, of what we see in cult leaders. He speaks four or five languages. Of course he does. He was a singer, but from what I could hear, not a good one. A dancer, that he was pretty good at. Actor, that one Mm -hmm. I definitely believe. (laughs) And, you know, he was artistic and just fun and I don't know. It was one of the cats was like, he was all those things that we wanted to be. He at least portrayed himself as being all the things that these kids wanted to be. Right. And I think he gave off an air of sophistication and he was Mm -hmm. refined. And I think that they really looked up to him in that way. Right. Yes. If you added some knee pads and a sweatband, do you know who he reminds me of? Oh, he's the guy from, um, fuck. Nexium. Thank you. (laughs) It totally reminds me of that. But they were trying to sell that one as a business. And this one is straight up religious from the beginning. But it, they're very similar. But like, I how what kind of intensity do you have to have for people to be like, those sweatbands are really lame, but I'm going to stay around. I, you know what? <laughs> I I was surprised they didn't all walk around with sweatbands after he wore one. Like, this Jesus, is what we're doing now because yeah. he's the coolest ever. Right. But I think they knew deep down it was a mockable offense. Oh, terrible. Mm-hmm. What did you think of some of the videos that, uh, so when Michelle is in the front of the group and he's talking about their philosophies and whatever, did it remind you at all of the Heaven's Gate stuff? Not as much. It reminds me more of Nexium because Heaven's Gate to me at least put their crazy right on that flyer, man, right up front. They're like, 
we're fucking aliens in meat sacks. Come join us. Mm-hmm. And people were like, sweet, <laughs> we're on, right? Whereas Nexium yeah. was very much like this, like, we're going to open your mind to make you better at business. He would sit up at the front and talk shit about, you know, raping a baby is only wrong because someone somewhere said it was wrong. And I'm like, um, no, everyone knows that's wrong, sir. <laughs> we we really feel in general that this is a poor practice. Please don't do that. Yeah, yeah. I think we can all agree on that one thing, if nothing else. Um, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. It's it's saying a lot of <laughs> it's saying a lot of shit that means nothing. I think we can all identify someone at work like this <laughs> that writes pages and pages and nothing's actually said, but it sounds good because there are big words in there and it flows, but nothing is said. Right. And he was an, he had an authoritative delivery. Right. And I think that's also a big part of this. Like he was calm. He was somewhat goofy from time to time, Mm -hmm. but you know what I mean? He was so calm. It was creepy how he would just sit there and look at people and side eye. But let me tell you (laughs) that eyeliner fucking on point, man. Real fine line. So nice. Do you think it was funny? Because I was like, there was, it was a real evolution of his eyeliner because at first it started off like very, it was just a suggestion, just a wisp (laughs) of eyeliner. And it was like, is that a, like a brown? What is that? And Mm -hmm. then like at the end, it was like the hardest line I've ever seen. Like if you didn't draw with Sharpie, I would have been (laughs) shocked. (laughs) Right. No salty in that eyeliner. Yeah. So disappointed there wasn't a nice wing eyeliner going on there. I mean, just go with it, sir. Right. right. Just go with it. Right. Well, I mean, he had everybody doing shit for him. So do you think if he had winged eyeliner and they were sisters and not twins, he would have been super pissed about that. So <laughs> facts. <laughs> so these people, they talk about the group. They all live together, ate together, played together. Mm-hmm. Everyone they knew was in the group. This kind of starts to sound like we work as well. Right. It's like they have a guidebook out there of how to cult for dummies and they all bought the copy. <laughs> right. It's amazing. They right. just, it's very formulaic. Mm-hmm. But they were like, no one would ever be hungry. No one would ever be homeless. Those are things you don't have to worry about. And my first thought was, who the fuck is paying for all this? But alas, they all were. They were all working. Right. They had jobs, they had businesses. Some of them were extremely successful mm-hmm. and they worked full time. They paid their own rent and food and that, but they also had to do service for others, which is a good thing. A lot of religions do that. I know for Lent, a lot of times they want, instead of you just to give something up to do something for others. I think Muslims are really big about doing service for others as well. Helping those in need, especially at the end of the year, if you have any excess, you're supposed to give it away. And I think that's, one very good part of religion. I don't think it's followed very well, but I think it's a good part. Sounds great, right? It's always great on paper. In practice. So it's communism. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But they were also like, so they had to work, had to do service. They had to exercise every day. They had to eat healthy, not drink. Listen, I'm out. This fucking sucks. Everything about this sounds horrible. Mm-hmm. Well, I know that even Vera said that she did 40 hours of service a week and she worked. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you're kind of getting the picture that there was nothing outside of this in their entire life, right? Like there was no uh, mingling with other people. Outsiders, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. And this is kind of when Will ended up becoming the group filmmaker 
um, pretty early on. He did videos, he says, to help spread the teacher's word to others. He wanted to capture their experiences and share Michelle's message of love. What kind of love is that message giving? I mean, it's creepy love in my opinion, but everyone's different. It really is. Mm -hmm. But I think it's nice that they had him because when they needed to make a commercial for one of their inventions, (laughs) oh boy. It's the most 80s invention ever. 100%. (laughs) I was like, do I, I'm going to look around. I'm going to eBay some shit and see if I can find a banana clip called Wings. That's what it was. Yeah. And see if I can procure one of those. Yeah. <laughs> for our uh, eventual pod loft, because I think we probably have to have one of those. I think I'd, I'd record a lot better if my hair was pulled back in one of those. I'm just saying the energy that would come to my brain from it right, would make everything right. better. So in this commercial, there's like some weird flute music. There's really airbrushed effects. It is... It made my heart so happy. And again, they didn't have to look anywhere for models to do this uh, with their hair because everybody in this group is fucking amazingly gorgeous. Right. Just, I know it was so funny to me to watch that. Oh, I know. And they said they used the money, you know, to help the group and it would fund the teacher's travels. This shit got to travel? Why are you traveling? Yeah. I mean, how are you... I keep telling you, I think we need to get the Church of Aaron started. I'm telling you, lowercase c of e, we don't want to confuse with the Church of England, but (laughs) I think a few tithings our way would not go amiss. And I would like disciples to clean my yard and to build me an aviary and to whatever, make me Mona Lisa fruit salads. Uh, Yeah, I can stare at people. For an uncomfortably long amount of time. And then. <laughs> Not without really smiling. You can't. You cannot. Damn it. I can work on it. Okay. I can evolve. <laughs> okay. Okay. We can have a good cop, <laughs> bad cop. Like you'd be good cop, Aaron. I'll be bad cop, <gasps> yes. Aaron. Okay. We okay. got, we got all of it covered. Right. Make it so. All right, you guys, Make let us so. know if you want to join our church and give us 10% of your income. <laughs> I think it's tax deductible. I don't know. Right. I promise it won't go to our heads. <laughs> Nothing does. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. hundred percent. Um, we do talk a little bit to Gina who is Will, Amy and other sister Lori, who's end up, ends up being involved with the group as well. So mm-hmm. Gina's kind of a no nonsense type of lady. I mean, she's, she's fine, but I'm like, she seems a little bit like not, not, she says that she gave them support and she was not immediately like, that's fucking dumb. But I can see maybe she's not the warmest human being ever. So, well, she kicked out her son when he came out. So, right, right, yeah, yeah. That doesn't scream. Uh, tell me all of your problems. Right, hundred percent. They do bring Lori in, the other sister, because they're like, you need to heal. You've had a lot of trauma in your background. You know, I think she had eating disorders. She had a, a possible rape in her background, and that. And they're like, you need to come and heal with us. And she's like, all right, that's cool. And so she mm-hmm. joined as well. So now three siblings. Mm-hmm. And one called. Mm-mm-mm. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to uh, elaborate a little bit about your Mona Lisa? Yeah. So I can't remember who it was who said that they made the result. So it's Julian. Is it Julian? Okay. Yeah. Julian wanted to do something as service for the master, the teacher, and Michelle, whatever you want to call him. 
And he's like, Michelle's like, you can make me a fruit salad every morning. So he made the most elaborate fruit salad. They have pictures. It's like art. It's amazing. He did like the last supper. He did all these amazing art fruit salads. Right. And then one day he noticed Mm -hmm. his roommate take the fruit salad and not take it directly to Michelle, but put it into a blender to make a smoothie and then take the smoothie to Michelle. And I would have been heartbroken that yeah. The service I did was not even being seen, right? Yeah. But he continued to do it, so. And he mentions he spent hours doing this. Like, he goes to the store every morning. He's picking out the most beautiful fruit. I mean, he is really invested in this. Mm-hmm. And then to find out. And what the fuck is this roommate's story? Like, you think he was like, I just want to. I just want to level with you that the salad is not making it to the eyeballs of which you have intended. You know what I mean? Like that was just never part of the conversation. I know. And I'm like, listen, yeah. if someone wants to make me fruit salad like that every day, I will see it. I will appreciate it. I will share it with you in the morning. I would appreciate all my disciples efforts, at least initially. Once the power goes to my head, we don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, Hopefully we'll get the, the chance to uh, to see if, how we how we react to absolute <laughs> <laughs> absolute power over other people. Yeah, but you're kind of seeing the level of dedication that that he is inspiring, for lack of a better term, mm-hmm. in other people. So mm-hmm. they go to Arcata, Arcata, California for the Shakti retreat. retreat. Sure. Okay. Sure. What is so, what is Shakti, Erin? Um, I believe that's the sharing energy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's some really funny footage, in my opinion, of them just like hugging trees and then like laying down on old fallen trees and they are really into it. Yeah. And it seems a little weird. Yeah. A little hard to watch, perhaps. There's some footage of sort of a laying of hands by Michelle on people, and sometimes they're on their knees, and I'm like, okay. Not a good <laughs> I'm image. Like, oh, it's just not, it's just not a good start. No. And so it's, and they, the reactions that these people have are very overstated in my opinion they're just it's almost like an ecstatic experience it's really weird to watch and I feel like this is a lot of performance art in my opinion (laughs) it's amazing so what's interesting is hearing them talk about it even later right they're like because Mm -hmm. he was supposed to be transferring his energy from the master to the disciple and you see them Mm -hmm. shaking they're like you could see the energy you could almost see lightning you could feel it Mm -hmm. one person said it was like an LSD type state and I'm like, but who who gave you the water? I just want to make sure something wasn't in the water. That's what I wondered, too. I was like, was it like a shared hallucination? <laughs> right, right. What? Yeah. I, this is a time and a place, and I'm sure drugs could have been part of it, whether knowingly or unknowingly. And a lot of it just... Yeah, it's, it's, it's overdramatic. You're right. It's almost like they wanted to please yeah. him. And in that act they started to believe themselves. Yeah. I would like to draw a parallel with like, if you've ever seen any footage of a more mainstream church situation where people are speaking in tongues or they, um, you know, there are other, 
I don't know. I'm trying to think of some of the other ones I've done. Just like people shaking and having to be laid on the ground before because they're mm-hmm. uh, possessed by the Holy Spirit or whatever. Like it's really right. a lot of the same kind of thing, just in a different setting. Like one is inside a church and one is outside in the woods. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of the the feelings I got when I watched it or the parallels I was able to draw. So do with right. that what you will. But yikes. Yeah. Yeah. But from that retreat, we move on to another one called the knowing retreat. And mm-hmm. this is where they can ask, the disciples can ask for the direct experience of God, which is called the knowing. So mm-hmm. here's another thing that I'm like, okay, they're called the Buddha field. Buddha is part of one religion, Buddhism. And then they talk about it's based, this, yep. the knowing is based on the Bhagavad Gita, which is actually a Hindu book. And I'm like, I'm, Mm-hmm. Can you pick one? Are we just picking a little bit from every one that we like and putting it together? Is that what we're doing? I don't know. Yeah, it's it frustrates me when people do that. Right. And interestingly, not everybody gets invited to the show. Right. You can be chosen to receive the knowing, or yeah. you can be sort of told that you're not ready, mm-hmm. which is convenient. Isn't it just? but and only michelle would know who is worthy and who isn't Mm -hmm. right and this happens over the ceremony occurs over several days the individuals will be able to ask for the knowing and the chosen will receive the experience of god all i could say is i don't think i'm prepared to experience the experience of a god any god that seems like a lot for my tiny mortal soul so I'll take a hard pass on that. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, not great. Yeah. So the, the idea is that if you're holding back, you won't be able to receive the knowing. And of course, how convenient, because then I'm sure that you feel like you've missed out and now you're going to be sort of rededicating yourself to like up it to the next level. So you can mm-hmm. get the knowing potentially next time. But yeah, there's a lot of discussion about, it felt like an acid trip for several days. Amy felt really bad because she didn't get the honor of the knowing after fucking being there for six years. But there were these like new, new hip people that moved in after her and they got the knowing. And she was like, what the fuck? Right. Her brother, Will, who she brought in. Right. Got the mm-hmm. knowing. Yeah. Yeah. And then Will talks about gaining the awareness. Wasn't really what he thought it would be. So, you know, wasn't the actual experience of God? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, like, I agree with you. Like, how would we spit all that expanse right into my tiny, I mean, especially lady brain, you know? You know what? I'm just saying there's an episode of Doctor Who where Rose tries to, like, absorb the knowledge and essence of the TARDIS and she nearly dies. And it it's just not cool to watch, man. And I'm thinking it would be similar. The TARDIS is probably a god in and of itself. So arguments could be made yes Mm -hmm. yeah so eventually michelle pulls will in to do service for him directly none of this service for other people bullshit Mm -hmm. you're helping me and only me right what a treat too he gets to be a body worker which is like basically rubbing on michelle all the time cool and whatever again (laughs) it's like the yoga (laughs) cult guy now i'm telling you it's just all yeah so similar yeah (laughs) yes thank you yes 
So he moved into the apartment next door to the master, uh, which is also a great character in Doctor Who. Aside, I don't know. Anyway, um, he moves next door to Michelle with Philippe. And I don't remember who said it. I think it was Jennifer. And she was like, every day we're telling Michelle how much we love him and how we can't live without him. If you have 150 mm-hmm. or so people telling you that every single day, ugh. That's, I mean, that's all he's absorbing all day. And that's what he's surrounding himself with is people who are just obsessed with him. Right. And I'm sure there's a lot of pressure to, to be dedicated like that. It's not like you can just dip in occasionally and be (laughs) dedicated on a Saturday or whatever. Like just go to the retreats on the weekend. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just so much. I can't even imagine. It's like love bombing to the nth degree. In my experience, I would cry and run away. But they did ballet every day because Michelle loved ballet. He was a ballerina, if you will. And so they did ballet every day. And there's some mixed reviews on that. You know, one person, I think it was Philippe, was like, it's the best thing ever. I loved it. It was my favorite. And one other person was like, I fucking hated it. It was like being in school again. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And again, here we are doing what he wants to do. Mm -hmm. He basically controls different aspects of your life because it was practice every day. It wasn't like you could just sign up occasionally for a little stretching here and there. Yeah. And there is a bit here where we start to get into, there were rules about having to abstain from sex. Mm-hmm. And that was Michelle's decree. However, you find out that maybe that wasn't always happening between the group members, at least like there was some, I mean, I think it's Demetrius who says, it was totally happening on the down low. And there were people that were in romantic relationships within the group. So I'm like, seems weird. Like, yeah. I'm like, you put mm-hmm. a bunch of young, incredibly beautiful people together. They're going to fuck. Right. I mean, it's just, they're gonna, <laughs> I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> like, they have on. Some pleasure in their life, please. <laughs> right. And they're rubbing on their teacher all the time. Gross. <laughs> yeah. He, he, Michelle calls an orgasm the little death, which is interesting because that's generally what the French call it. I think I learned that from that's what, Emily yeah. Harris, right? Right. And he said the orgasm of meditation is the greatest orgasm. I'm going to have to disagree with you there, sir. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what do you say to that? Um, I think it's, again, just a form of control. Well, I'm making people feel inferior, right? I get more pleasure out of this. You should as well. And if you're not, then there's something right. wrong with you. So I'm superior to you mm-hmm. in yet another aspect of our lives. Well, thankfully, you could go and talk to him about all this in your one-on-one therapy sessions. That was, was it free? Um, it was not. You also had to pay him for that. You had to pay him 50 oh. bucks, which in 80s money was like $10,000. Right. I don't know if that's probably. <laughs> it's required therapy. That you're also required to pay for. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's convenient, mm. and also it's it's not like regular talk therapy either. It can be hypnotherapy. Yeah, which fun <laughs> sounds great. Yeah, that's just what I want. Hypnotherapy. What if you're not able mm. to be hypnotized? I've tried a couple times, and my brain is like, "No, ma'am, no, you don't trust these people. You don't know them. You're not doing it." So. Do you think people just played along? I mean, he was certified, Aaron. So, <laughs> Not while I'm drinking. 
Sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah, he was certified. So, I mean, you're in the hands of um, somebody who knows what they're doing with sharing all your secrets. Surely that will go well. Well, at one time he's like, anything that is discussed between us stays here, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, and yet I'm hearing it because it's being recorded. So I don't, <laughs> why would you trust? And I assume they say that so this person doesn't go and tell anyone what he does, right? It's safety for him to say that. But I was like, no, sir. No. Yeah. Yeah. So um, let's talk about another best from the cult playbook. They start to get new names. Yeah. Well, these are better than the uh, Heaven's Gate names. I'll say that. (laughs) (laughs) They are. They are. Yes. So the new names were to help remove themselves from the past and create a new way to see themselves, which is just like number three on how to make a cult. Yeah. Amy is now called Emiliana. Lori was called Cristala, which I really like that name. And Will was called Francesco. Also a good name. It's very exotic. So. Yeah. How did Gina feel about her kids' new names? Uh, she was not a big fan. Also, at this point, they're telling her that they want to detach from her. Number four on how to make a cult. <laughs> <laughs> Isolation. <laughs> Look it up. Yeah. Uh yeah, Vera was told she couldn't go see her dying father because that would break the bond she had with him. She needed to not go see him while he was dying. Fuck right off. What a dickhead. I'm sorry. That one, that one yeah. made me really angry. For whatever reason, she gets a lot of shit. Poor Vera really goes through it. Now, I don't know a lot of the details. I mean, it could have been pretty standard but she is very open about what she was asked to do and um, Mm -hmm. she talks about buying tickets and then not going to see her dad like she really struggled with this it was not something that was you know kind of a one-time conversation and she was okay with it like no that that was not the case right amy Mm -hmm. said she never thought of herself as being in a cult michelle always called it a non-group it's an anti-cult aaron duh well i mean you don't want to be in a cult you don't want to have to deal with that connotation. Right. So sounds great. Mm -hmm. However, some of the, um, some of the members did have their parents and different people in their lives work with deprogrammers and people who extricated people from cults to try to get to them. But um, in the two cases that they're talking about, it did not end up going that way. They, they ended up staying. So, I mean, people around them were aware of what was going on. Cult, moniker or no yeah so yeah and my kids should know that's exactly what i would do i would just go up and beat up the cult leader take my kid and go (laughs) Uh, yeah it was very pacifist so i think you could have gotten to him right i don't know i'll bring mace just in case Mm -hmm. so what's interesting is what precipitates them moving so in 1991 this is year six of will's you know experience with this cult sure There's a cat named Kenny who falls in love with one of the group members. He is not a part of the group and apparently also not very nice. I don't know. We don't meet Kenny. So. Right. He was stalking this girl. And then because he thought the only reason she wasn't seeing him was because she was with this group. His goal now is to take down the group. And so he starts attacking Michelle, calling him a cult leader and that. And then he went to a group called Cult Awareness Network, which is an organization run by Rick Ross, 
not the rapper. I had to look it up. <laughs> Damn it. That would have been the story. <laughs> I'm like, who knew? Rip Ross. Right? Um, there's some white dude. But this group came about, like I said, after Jonestown, when they were like, listen, this is probably a bigger deal, and maybe we should pay attention to this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But parents would pay this group to go in, kidnap their children, and deprogram them. Mm-hmm. Yep. I would pay them to do that. But this terrified Michelle. He didn't want to be labeled as a cult cult leader. And so the message changed from the knowing and God, and it became more of what are we going to do? So they kind of go into hiding, right? Michelle takes Will a guy who's also a cook and another body worker because you can't have just one body worker. That's just ridiculous. So they go into hiding, right? And they're on the road for six months trying to scout out a new joint, like a new living arrangement. So the other group members are devastated that they weren't chosen. And there are some really weird testimonials that kind of pop up at this time, like sort of a video love letter to Michelle it's very strange it is so hard to watch these people one they're devastated they're heartbroken Mm -hmm. so that's hard to watch but also the words that they say I'm like that's not good I shouldn't say those things out loud to someone Mm -hmm. Michelle is definitely fearful Um, he's paranoid because all the Christ figures end up getting killed and it was like, really? It's going I mean, to he's not wrong now. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Him and Koresh. Yeah. It's oh. uh it's interesting how they go from because when he started, he told them that he was their master and he had a master that taught him and showed him the knowing in the way. And so he was there to show them the knowing mm-hmm. in the way. And I like that because it makes them feel like there's room for them to get to this point, right? He didn't just become the Messiah. It was more, I learned this and so can you. Mm -hmm. And so that gave them hope for progression. But then all of a sudden he's now God or Jesus, which was God. I'm, you know, just this very wishy-washy, but it's, it's an evolution of sorts. Well, you brought up Jonestown a couple of times, and I think it's fair to say that also Jonestown started off with a really good message, right? They were about unity and they were taking care of people and they were doing a lot of good things that brought a lot of positive energy into the group and people wanted to be around that over time they morphed and moved and that's when shit got real so again if we Mm. were if we were to write a book and they're like if you want to have a cult please do all these things this would play right into that yeah yeah it's and, you know, I, I sometimes wonder if these people feel that way going into it and start small, mm-hmm. knowing that they have the goal of mind to become this, or if it's from being fed mm-hmm. adulation all day, every day, that they then feel like, well, obviously, this is what I am. I mean, I don't know. There's a lot of similarities in the followers, right? There's a lot of similarities in the people who end up leading people in cults, like, a lot of narcissistic versus codependent tendencies yeah. for people. Um, so if we were yeah. experts, we could probably answer that question. Like, do I start a cult with this in mind? Or is it just a natural evolution over, you know, being exposed to all that adoration? I don't know. 
Yeah. I just would like to point out that Michelle was an actor with some, you know, pretty good credits, right? I mean, he was momentarily featured in Rosemary's Baby at the very end. If we say momentarily, we mean like one second. (laughs) Right. The camera glances past him ever so quickly. And he gets the best side eye ever. That's it. Like all of his. The magnet chops. (laughs) Yeah. So they talk a lot about at this point, there's no one that really has the whole background on this dude. It's all in bits and pieces. And kind of, it's really funny to me that they think he's possibly been in some porn. He was an actor and a dancer and he had, you know, Jamie Gomez was one of his names. Michelle Rostan. Hi me. Okay. Thank you. Um, and Michelle Rostan was another one of his names. And he was definitely a person who was looking for fame, but he didn't have it, right? He didn't make it. Right. And so he pivoted and it landed here. Interesting. Yeah. One of them said they assumed he was a good actor until they saw some of his acting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're like, oh, oh, not not so good after all. Hmm. Right. Again, he is certified in hypnotherapy. He's a pastor. And um, he has some certification for being a behavioral therapist. So legitimacy proven. Great. (laughs) It's totally legit. Sign me up. Yeah. (laughs) I feel good. So they decide on Austin, Texas Mm -hmm. for their new headquarters, as it were. One of his disciples bought him a house in the burbs. And that's immediately when I knew I needed disciples. Someone would buy me a house too. Out of the burbs, preferably. Right, right. One out. And he changed his name. Yeah. Right? He'll now be known as Andreas, but we will still call him Michelle. Yeah. No last name, mm-hmm. just Andreas. Like Madonna, like Cher. Yeah. So moving into year eight. Yeah. The group starts to see the events that are going on at Waco. And Andreas's paranoia gets a little bit of a... I don't know, a splash of life, if you will. He, he, you know, he's, he's been worried about it before. And now since Waco is not terribly far from Austin, Texas, I mean, I think it really reinforces some of his tendencies to be freaked out about all this. Mm -hmm. And so they do a lot of weird stuff. Like they are practicing what to say if the FBI comes, they definitely have a culture of secrecy and seclusion. Now they are, there is still recruitment that's happening through some various means but they're still very guarded about what they're telling people what they are. So interesting. I think it's funny because they're like, listen, everything's secret, but also he walks with an entourage. And I'm like, that's <laughs> not exactly low key. Right. I mean, when do I get to the point where somebody is taking, uh, they're toting around some kind of foldable throne for me. <laughs> right. Know, right. Can it just be a, a general Aaron throne so we could use it either one of us whenever we need it. Yeah. I mean, I don't understand why we're not talking about some kind of love seat situation, like a twofer (laughs) or like, what are the things that you sit in and then people walk around with you sitting on it? A wheelchair. (laughs) No, like they have, it's like a chair and it's got the big poles and people carry you around on it. Oh, okay. I know what you're talking about. Okay. Yeah. Like Cleopatra or something. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, that's you. what we need. <laughs> Look, the way I feel lately, 
It might end up being a wheelchair, but it's going to be like a fresh, hot wheelchair. Okay. <laughs> It'll have flames on the side. <laughs> I was thinking it'd be gilded. Thank you. <sighs> You're welcome. <laughs> Woo. Anyway, so there, it's a cult. It's a, it's a typical cult, right? At this point, I don't know how they could say mm-hmm. it's not. Anyway, we get to 1997, year 12. They've brushed off that wake of nonsense and they start building a theater for Michelle. And this is like a huge area. I'm guessing Michelle has zero financial input into this. So <laughs> they're building it as an altar, if nothing else. And they would build some of it and they would take him out and say, Hey, check it out. And he'd be like, well, I don't like this. Fix it. And, and they would tear it down and rebuild it. And then he would get pissed at how long it was taking. And all I could think of is, you know, you could solve this problem by all agreeing on the blueprints ahead of time. That's how most architecture is done, right? Yeah, but they're not talking to like a living God. So that's true. That's unwritten, unwritten territory on how you're supposed to move through that because obviously he's got to be happy with it. And I don't know what kind of permitting they had to do since this was in the suburbs. We didn't discuss that. So, (laughs) oh, the HOA was probably furious. Yeah. So this is a full production of ballets and these are things that are choreographed by Andreas once they get it built. I mean, Mm -hmm. they talked about rehearsing these things. I mean, for a year with like costumes and stuff, and then they would perform it once. And that was it for themselves. Yeah. No one else. There's no audience other than themselves. Oh my God. Take that money and give it to a charity. So much time wasted, so much money wasted just to make one man feel like he doesn't have a tiny penis. What the fuck? Yeah. I mean, again, I say to you, if you're trying to portray that you got something going on downstairs, don't wear a Speedo. Or them ballet pants. (laughs) Them ballet pants aren't helping either. That's right. Listen, Napoleon. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, he has control over their lives. They have a couple people talk about... Like, they're not supposed to read books, watch TV, listen to the radio. What are they? Are they supposed to puzzle? Are they word searching? What are they doing? Um, look, as soon as somebody said to me, no books, I'm, out. I'm like, well, I'm sorry. I'm, we're, we're no longer compatible because what yes. is my life if I'm not reading monster smut? <laughs> Trashy novels. That's all I got to make yeah. me happy. Thank you. Oh. <laughs> uh. Oh my God, Jennifer got a dog, but had to give it back because it wasn't acceptable. And I'm like, is it because she was giving love to something other than you? It's the only thing I could think of is nothing else other than him could be on that level. Right. It's a puppy. Calm down, Michelle. You as a disciple need to be more dedicated so you can participate in things like the femme fatale. (laughs) There's a music video, you guys, a whole music video. It's, uh, it's something. If I was going to make, this looks like something that would be on Saturday Night Live, right? Like the just, yes. it's spoof quality. Over the top. Yeah. And he's singing because, of course, Michelle wrote this piece of trash. <laughs> La Femme Fatale music video in 1999. And it's a social commentary kind of about overly sexual women. And how sex negatively affects your spirituality. However, his eyeliner at this point is way more pronounced. That was the one takeaway of this 
garbage production. I'm so sorry, Will. I'm sure you were doing the best you can with the material that you had. <laughs> I will say my thought was when he said he was talking about the negative effect of sex with spirituality. How many people are only spiritual when they're having an orgasm? That's the only time they talk to God. We know it. Just let's admit it. Honestly. <laughs> right. Well, he, uh, I was going to say he's got no control over that, but perhaps not. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. They do discuss that Andreas has a, or sorry, Michelle has a really juvenile attitude towards sex. Like he makes fun of it a lot. And I'm like, that feels telling to me. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the people who are really anti-gay and just that's all they talk about. And then you find out they're on Grinder. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. But they talk about how, you know, sex was not something you're supposed to have, but they all were supposed to be beautiful all the time. And how he would often talk about how this is just a meat sack we carry around. Our bodies are nothing. Mm-hmm. So you shouldn't give in to those urges. And yet... He wanted them to look beautiful and he wanted to look beautiful because he was very fit. But then he started with the plastic surgery and it was very noticeable. Think Mickey Rourke level plastic surgery at the end. Right. And so like to the point where he would have, I mean, he wasn't the only one that was having plastic surgery. If there was mm-hmm. a procedure he was interested in, he would talk somebody else into getting it to see how it goes, what it looks like. And then he might decide if he wanted to have it or not. And I was like, that's gross. It is gross. But they're talking about, you know, the women are wearing makeup. They're working out constantly is the way they make it sound. And they're waxing a lot and stuff. And I'm like, oh, no. That goes beyond your body as a temple, right? <laughs> like It's right. Now we're going to be like oiled up and all stuff all the time, too. Ooh. So. Yeah. And Lori specifically mentions for the women, you had to be very thin. Like there were no fat people in the group because, you know, they can all go to hell or whatever. I'm not sure, but (laughs) if you're fat, there's no heaven for you. There's no God for you. There's no spirituality for you. That's just what it comes down to. It's the American way. Mm -hmm. Mm. I will say his skill with a roller brush and a hairdryer is well beyond mine. Yeah. Yeah. Again, he's in a speedo this whole time. And so if he like, finds Will or somebody. I, I don't know if Will was the only one who ever took a video, but he's always like, you see his look of surprise in his face and he like immediately breaks it down into some kind of like flex bodybuilding stance thing. And I'm like, ew, no, you don't have one robe. Fuck off. <laughs> Talk to Hef. Talk to Hef. Right. He's got a lot. Borrow one. Christ. Just one t-shirt, please. <sighs> It's so problematic. It is. Yeah. They also talk about you're not supposed to have thoughts ever. Apparently, mm-hmm. you're supposed to just have a blank mind because having thoughts means you're not connected to the meditation and to God. I'm out. I don't know how you function without having thoughts. But again, this kind of comes back to they don't want any kind of critical thinking. They just want blind acceptance. Mm-hmm. And if you can build that into your doctrine about don't question anything that's better for the group, quotey fingers, you know what I mean? That's mm-hmm. better for your leader who's trying to make sure that you don't ever have a rogue independent thought. Right. Yeah. But some of the members say the benefits still outweighed the crazy. It was getting more crazy, but the benefits still outweighed the crazy. And I'm like, oh, did it though? I mean, I understand community 
and it's something that my mom has even mentioned when she was no longer part of the church. She's like, I do mm-hmm. miss the community of it, not the church. So I get that, but uh, it's so crazy. Right. To be part of something bigger than yourself is something that I think that people are drawn to. There's nothing wrong with that. I think that the problem is that we just can't keep a benefit for everyone. Somehow it just has to be focused on one person or whatever. Yeah. Especially in these kinds of cases. Mm-hmm. Vera speaks about she was in a loving relationship with one of the guys in the group and she gets pregnant and that was a no-no there were never any children born in the time of this 22 years that Will was with a group so she thought because she was in a relationship with somebody in the group that Michelle would be okay with it that he would be like okay sweet you know this is great but no he basically forced her to have an abortion. And by forced, I mean, he, it was kind of a coercion situation, right? So he was working on her. He was working on the guy in the group to get him to talk her into it. So eventually she did go ahead and and do that. Yeah. And I think that's very sad because she was excited about it. So, I mean, having a baby. Yeah. He essentially said, if you have this baby, you're out of the group. Right. Which means you lose everything, your family, your friends, everything. Mm -hmm that you have in the world. So that's shitty. Real shitty. Yeah. He did say spiritual growth and children don't always go together. And I cannot disagree with that statement. That's maybe the only statement (laughs) I somewhat agree on at times. Um, Yeah. I mean, I think that having children can change your perspective and make you less selfish. So I think that could be considered a form of spiritual growth. Like you're like, Oh, I'm not just concerned about myself now. Like, there's like other people in the world and hopefully you reach that conclusion before you have children. But still, I think that is maybe one good thing that could happen. But yeah, basically from what he says, I take away that if you're focused on a baby, I won't get your adoration. So. Yep. Yeah. And you might realize that this is crap and leave because you want to take care of that kid right? because that's more important. Yeah, absolutely. Um, We get to the year 2001 which is year 16. Mm-hmm. They talk about those who have left the group were demonized. We see this. This is uh, called behavior number six, if you will. <laughs> when Lori left, because she did leave, they were told she, they couldn't communicate with her. They were told that she went into prostitution. And she was like, no, <laughs> that's not true. Right. And so he did a lot of things. This is um, Michelle did a lot of things to try to keep people from leaving. Like, you'll die if you leave. You're going to have a terrible accident. And the only reason that you're not having this terrible accident is because I've intervened on your behalf. And so it's a lot of scare tactics to get people to adhere to what he wants. And yeah, you can't have that spreading. You can't have that attitude of leaving because this is all bullshit now. Um, That can't get out. No, that's cancerous to a cult. Um, The year 2005, which is 20 years in, people are starting to see the act more for what it Mm -hmm. was. Some people are starting to have thoughts. (laughs) Not the thoughts. They're not quite listening to the message as much because it's no longer really about what they joined for. It's more all about him. It has been all about him for some time. And they're like, what the fuck? This isn't what we joined for. So some of them are starting to see Mm -hmm. that. In 2006, year 21... One of the peeps who was bugging out decided to write an email and send to all. Ah, the old exit email. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> there's no exit interview in HR here, so we're just going to send it to everybody right, involved. Right. Boy, they laid out a lot of claims. Part of those claims were that for years, Michelle had been making males partake in unwanted sexual relationships. Mm-hmm. Of course, Michelle was like, it's ridiculous. I would never. Yeah. And then we talked to some of the male disciples who said, yes, this was really a thing. And so they, well, they don't show, but they do play some of the recordings and it's sort of like guided by the disciple who was involved in it. And so they'd be like, he downplayed the attraction to women and kind of upplayed potential attraction to men. And because a lot of these guys were not gay, they did not identify that way. So they very much felt coerced and groomed and whatever into a sexual relationship with him that was unwanted. And the best part was this happened weekly at their therapy sessions, which we already told you that they had to fucking pay for. <laughs> right. Right. The fucking audacity oh, amazing. of amazing. His penis was tiny, but <laughs> goddamn, those balls are big. <laughs> yeah. So you got boned at your therapy session and you had to pay him for it and you know it wasn't any good yeah no (laughs) yeah it's so unfortunate and it's whether you were identified as gay or identified as heterosexual none of them wanted this 100 percent yeah but he just ignored it some of them would cry and he was like ah who are you trying to what did he say they tried to he tried to use hypnotherapy on him if they were upset and try to say, Oh, it's someone else from your past that you're really trying to get away from. Not me. And he's like, no, no, it's you. <laughs> but right. Because there was resistance, right? That he, yes. people did resist him. They were like, I'm not interested. I don't want this. And it would just result in more manipulation. So it really didn't matter what you did. You were trapped and you kind of had to yeah. go with it or else. And so that's really unfortunate Yeah, and very difficult for the people that experienced it. Chris in particular says that Sophia, who was another group member saved his life because they got into a relationship. And the interesting part about this was Michelle had tried to manipulate her to not date him. Cause in the therapy sessions, Chris had told Michelle that I'm interested in Sophia. And then Michelle runs to Sophia and says, don't, don't get involved with him. But she knew that Chris needed some help. So she stepped in and they did get together. And so he had um, an ally in some of this. I don't know what she knew. Right. But, you know, he said that she saved his life. And I was like, thank God somebody was paying attention. Right. You know, yeah. Well, then one after another, these young men start st- sharing their stories of abuse with other group members. Mm-hmm. Radia was one that she just broke down. She was like, I didn't know. Like, had she known she would have totally defended them and stepped up for them and it would not have allowed it to happen, but they didn't know. And so they felt helpless and they felt guilty for not knowing. Mm-hmm. And there were all these feelings, but at least knowing now and being able to believe them and their story mm-hmm. has some power. Yeah. And again, it's very secretive. Will shares um, in particular that Michelle told him you'll die without me. And it's only you. Mm -hmm. So even among the men that this was happening to, it was not known that there were several of them that this was going on. So Michelle did an excellent job making people keep his secrets, which is, you know, always problematic. Well, 
Yeah. And if you're doing it at scheduled therapy sessions, you don't have to worry about anyone walking in because those are supposed to be sacred. Right. And so you have them penciled in every (laughs) single week. It's, it's amazing to me, but Will discusses how, even though he didn't want to do this, he still felt indebted to Michelle because he had done so much for him. He just felt like he couldn't leave. Yeah. And, and the stuff that he was telling them, you're right. The, I'm doing this for you. You can't tell anyone else. They just won't understand. This is part of your therapy, but they won't understand. It just sounds like an adult abusing a child. Because it's exactly what they tell children. You can't tell anyone. They won't know. This is our special thing. Yeah. Yeah. And again, you know, I think there's a lot of pressure in the group to, you know, that he's above reproach. And so who do you turn to? Who do you Mm -hmm. share this with? So thank God that somebody who was leaving was like, I'm going to blow this shit wide open. On my on my way out, right. And this was really a final straw for several of them who decided to leave, right. Vera talks about how at one point in time she had to tell everyone she had cancer, her family, the group, everybody, just so he could act like he healed her mm-hmm. of the cancer. I don't know why I'm surprised. I think it's funny because you never hear anyone come forward and say that, right? We all know that the laying of hands is not real, right. But for someone to come forward and say, oh, no, he told me to lie about this. I've never heard that. Yeah. I mean, she's quite frank. And I think that her being able to come forward and talk about this stuff is really helpful because I think other people in this situation Mm -hmm. are more likely to speak out once they've heard that it's happened, you know, to somebody else. Yeah. To others. Sure. Yeah. They find out that the rumors of him being a porn actor is real. I'm not going to say star. He probably wasn't the starring role. He was just... A minor character, surely. Right. But uh, his acting does seem a bit on par with porn acting, right? Yeah. Yeah. There's so much. So as stuff starts to fall apart, Michelle does a couple last ditch things. There's a weird video he makes everybody watch and it's really uncomfortable and he doesn't really say anything. But even during the video, people leave the gathering. Um, So I feel like that would have been sweet justice to watch. Well... And his very last ditch Mm -hmm. effort, he decides to hold a knowing session, which he hadn't done for like 17 Mm -hmm. years. So he's like, oh, this will bring him back (laughs) in. So it's totally bring him back in. And a few of the loyal members Mm -hmm. took him up on it, right? Including Amy, who still wanted it, still didn't get to be part of it before. But she also didn't have any idea what had happened to Mm -hmm. Will. But she said it was awful. Like Michelle wasn't even connected to them. Before they would feel like he was connected to them and part of it. And this time it was all just for show it was movements there was Mm -hmm. nothing behind it and she said it was just fucking horrible well i think even with in amy's knowing session all he did was bitch about radia and one of the guys that has also left and he vaguely was like trying to figure out a way to harm them and get the irs to go after them or whatever and it's sort of like you've really lost it at this point you know so i think that was her wake-up call that she was like no (laughs) thanks but no yeah. Some members said that if he didn't stop teaching, they would press charges. Mm-hmm. So they decided to relocate again to Hawaii. Mm-hmm. And Will, Michelle, and a few others flew to Hawaii. And I think for Will going back to that place where the abuse had started mm-hmm. was what really hit home for him and allowed him to get out. Yeah. There is a moment five years later, there's a new name for Michelle. It's Reiji, which means God King. Mm. yeah so I'm like sounds 
like the arc is moving along nicely. Now he's supposed to have stopped, but there is a group because some people did stay. And also it seems like they're recruiting, right? So it seems to be up and active. Mm -hmm. He's still wearing the Speedo. Ew. Will does confront Michelle kind of at the beach. There's some people gathered and Will walks up and there's a very odd discussion where Will and Michelle are talking and Will is asking him if he's been a good boy. And I'm like, that's bad choice of words, but okay. He's like a 70 year old man or whatever he is. So bad. It's so uncomfortable to watch and to hear. Yeah. So 2007, Will has made a film, a short film called Do You Realize? And there's a lot of the members who are in the video and there's a lot of individual shots and he kind of goes through and maps out for you at that point who has left and who has stayed. And it is pretty, it's very nature-based, I would say. And, you know, it's, it's kind of like a music video. There's some music laid over it. But there are so many people and, I don't know, it was just, it really brought a lot of humanity to the people that had been involved. So... Yeah. Well, they said uh, since 2007, more than a dozen former members have come forward with stories of psychological and sexual abuse. Mm -hmm. As of the release of the film in 2016, did I say? Yep. Many of the people featured in his video that were marked as stayed initially have either left the group or the teacher. Yep. I think they should have, because they were talking about how horrible it was when the group fell apart, right? It just kind of overnight fell Mm -hmm. apart and he went to Hawaii. And they didn't know what to do. And I know Vera at one point was like, listen, I don't have, I have $45. I don't have a bank account. I don't have a job. I don't have anything. And you've devoted your life to this. And they were very lost. And it took a long time for them to heal. Mm -hmm. And I'm glad that they seem to have healed. For the most part, they seem like they've done okay Mm -hmm. in life now. They seem happy. But I feel like they should have got together and had their own little commune. And they knew what to do to be happy and to live together Mm -hmm. in a commune. I think they should have done that without this cat and they would have been better off. Yeah. I mean, I I don't know how you heal from something like that. It's like a bad marriage on steroids, right? It's a lot. Right. Because only talking to others who have been through it, I think Mm -hmm. it's hard because no one can understand what you've been through unless they were there too. Yeah. I can walk you through. I wrote down kind of at the end, the people that I introduced at the beginning, I have notes on what they're doing now. Mm -hmm. So, Chris, he is kind of keeping an eye on new religious movements and he lectures about his experience. So I think he's used this to help others. So kind of interesting. Danielle owns a pet sitting business. Demetrius is a personal actor. No, he's a personal trainer and an actor. I don't know if you can be a personal actor, but whatever. He seems like he's doing okay. Vera collects and sells vintage clothing and jewelry. Radia Mm -hmm. is a nutritionalist and she's the president of a web TV network. And she's in a 1970s cover band, like a rock cover band from 70s tunes. So I was like, yes, sounds amazing. Yes. David is an actor and producer of conscious films. And I was like, okay. Amy makes designer greeting cards and artisan jewelry. Jennifer is a psychotherapist and she specializes in religious trauma, which I feel like probably, uh, you know, we do what we know, right? Yeah. Love that. Yeah. Marty is a master. He offers master's level yoga classes and there's some 
tantric yoga that he does with his partner and his wife. So I think they're like business partners and they're married, that kind of thing. So, or it's a thruple, whatever. I mean, love it. Yeah. Alessandra is a realtor question mark. And I wrote it that way because the way the footage goes, like there's like a little blurb and it's like, she loves to sell houses in whatever town she's in. And I'm like, they didn't say she's a realtor. So I'm like, I don't know exactly what that means, but whatever. Greg is a massage therapist and he has had some success on YouTube because he's had several million views, like 45 million views on some of the stuff that he's worked on. Yeah. Wow. So he knows what's going on there. Good for him. Philippe is a performing artist. He's a writer and he's also a sex positive educator. And I think we probably need some more sex positive educators in the world. So good for you, sir. Lori. Yep. Is a licensed body worker and an herbalist. And she does some lecturing on the benefits of cannabis. So interesting. Mm -hmm. And then Julian founded a nonprofit for HIV positive folks. And he cares for his 87 year old aunt who was also part of the Buddha field. So see, so they're doing all right. Yeah. A, A nice ending, I guess. I don't know. I'm sure it's still very painful for them, but I'm glad that they spoke out about um, their experience. Yeah, it's hard. I mean, it seemed like a good group when it started. Again, the the leader, the master, the teacher, whatever you want to call him, he was creepy <laughs> from day one, in my opinion. Yeah. But the other people, I could understand wanting to be part of a community like that, right? And mm-hmm. enjoying life. And they're like, who else is going to make me dance in the woods at night. And I'm like, hopefully no one. <laughs> and who's going to make me swim in ice cold water again, hopefully no one, because that's not good. None of these things are good, ma'am. You need to realign what you think of as fun. I don't know. Yeah. That's just a really sad story of, you know, people, it seemed like they're coming to this with a pure heart and they were massively taken advantage of. And that's really unfortunate. So yeah, yeah. it's a good documentary as far as, education but it's hard to watch because this really happened to people so Mm -hmm. conflicted whether I want to call it a good one (laughs) yeah the documentary itself was very Mm -hmm. well done I liked the perspective of the different members Mm -hmm. in it I like the footage that was shot then I think he did a really good job with the documentary the story is a hard one to hear and I think that you're going to have that with most true crime cult type situations unfortunately interesting to learn about but difficult to learn about at the same time okay so who's your honorary Aaron for the week um I really liked Lori shit so did I (laughs) (laughs) she just seemed to be among the most skeptical people in this whole thing right she was calling him (laughs) on his bullshit from day one she was like I didn't have sex for three fucking years (laughs) right she's like this is stupid Yeah. And she's like, the only role he ever had was this horrible acting role that he didn't even seem to pull off very well here. So that's funny. Yeah, I loved her. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to have to have somebody write in about honorary Aaron to get us off the same thread. Ooh, good stuff. I know. know. Well, we are the same person, really. So it makes sense. We would choose the same person. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. So let's move away from cults and depressing stuff. What are we going to do next week? Okay, so next week we decided to do Cocaine Bear, The True Story. This is a selection that I saw off Peacock, so here we are back on Peacock, nonetheless. 
this gem is 51 minutes, um, a very recently released in um, April of 2023. So I think this is supposed to help put some trueness or uh, whatever you want to call that to the cocaine beer movie. So, yeah. Right. And my only point of reference prior to this was the ladies on my favorite murder. I think it was um, one of the write-ins that someone had written the story about. I don't think they mm -hmm. had told the story about it. And then even better is my favorite murder animated had done cocaine beer as an animated yes. episode. And that makes me laugh every <laughs> fucking time. So Nick Terry, love it. Yes. So good. Yeah. So Yes, I have heard a little bit about this story. Um, the cocaine bear part is sort of the end-ish of the story. Like right. the stuff at the beginning, I think, is what they're going to focus on for this one. But uh, yeah, I can't wait. So it'll be good. It'll be good. Yeah. Okay. So other than that, we will ask you guys to rate, review, and subscribe. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter. And um, yeah, let us know what you like. Let us know if there's anything you'd like us to do. We are open to suggestion. Yep. And cool. We can't wait to talk to you next week. So thanks for joining us and yeah. we'll talk to you then. All right. Later. Bye.